Good evening, Browns fans. It's Wednesday. It's 7 o'clock. It is time for <clears throat> OBR Weekly as I struggle through that introduction. I'm Barry. Hanging out here with me is Mr. Fred Greetham. How you doing, Fred? Doing good. Ready to go. All right. Let's rock and roll then. Um, as always, this quest, this uh, show is about your questions, your comments. It's not about my questions and my comments because they're in, in undoubtedly stupid compared to yours. So let's get your comments and questions in. And uh, Fred will attempt to answer them and uh, add some intelligence to the program. And so we've already got some comments and questions in here uh, in, the, uh, in the chat room. So keep them coming and we will get them rocking and rolling. Fred, you were out in Berea this afternoon, <clears throat> and Kevin Stefanski was uh, not ready to announce his starter at quarterback, and everybody's always interested in the quarterback. Uh, is he really waiting to see if uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson comes back from a concussion, or is this, in your opinion, you know, game-playing on his part? I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a foregone conclusion, unless I'm misreading this completely. It seems obvious to everybody, uh, but maybe Kevin Stefanski, that Joe Flacco gives him the best chance to win. You're heading into the home stretch, the playoff run. Why wouldn't you want to have somebody that's got experience, that's got, you know, especially going against a top-rated team, you know, this week. He came off. A good game last week, really made one mistake mm -hmm. after four or five practices. And so I think there's my my fair theory here is he's always playing that gamemanship stuff, you know, like trying to make the Jaguars spend an extra five minutes prepping for either Thompson Robinson or Flacco because they are different. But the other my other take or thought is that. DTR's in the concussion protocol. He was the starting quarterback. He suffered the concussion. And I I think maybe he's got a little bit of a, okay, you know, we're going to kind of just prolong it, wait till he's cleared. Because if he's not cleared, then there's no discussion. There's no decision to be made. But he was out on the practice field. And this is, this is another question that I'm not even sure about is the concussion protocol. It seems like it's evolved. Now guys are allowed to practice and they're still in the concussion protocol. Yeah. All I can gather is that they're saying it's the last steps. So I don't know if going through practice is it. And so tomorrow he's cleared. And by the way, Marquise Goodwin was out there today. He's missed four games because of the concussion, so he was mm -hmm. out there, so I would think he might be close, but I don't know how to interpret this. The only thing I have to go on is Jack Conklin was in the concussion protocol, and we saw him practice. We assumed he was out of it, and then they sent a clarification that he's still in the protocol, and then he was out of it the next day anyway. And the same thing happened to Anthony Walker back in training camp. So I don't really know the rules. All I can figure is DTR and Goodwin are probably on the verge of being cleared from it. 
Mm-hmm. With that being said, um, I did see in the 20 minutes were allowed, which maybe the last five minutes, they just start handing off for a few plays and then they throw a few plays individual that Flacco took the first reps of the three quarterbacks. And you could say, well, you know, DTRs in the concussion protocol. He took the second ahead of PJ Walker. PJ Walker is on the roster and so is DTR. Flacco's not on the roster. He's a practice right. squad guy right now. So I would say that he would be, you know, have the inside track to start. I don't know what happened in practice. Who, you know, I would I would assume Flacco took the rep since DTR is still in the concussion protocol. But I, I just think it's a little bit of monkey business again, shenanigans, whatever you want to call it. Right. And remember – Stefanski does not speak to the media on Thursday. That's the coordinator day. So this way he doesn't have to say anything till Friday at about one o'clock. So there it is. You know, as far as the only time you get anything definite is if a player slips it, you know, like a few weeks ago when Watson was coming back and Cooper said, well, he's going to be at practice today. And we're like, Oh, you know, so I don't know, but I just think it's, it, yeah, it's just a little bit of uh gamesmanship. It's he can right. do it because he can do it. I'd have to say the same thing with the Jaguars. Does anybody out there really think that he's going to play after suffering a high ankle sprain? I mean, I watched that play and even if it's only a one week injury, I mean, I, I can't figure that out. Um, but unless it's a, a big a big joke of an injury that he didn't really get hurt. And if he didn't really get hurt, why didn't he stay in the game? Because right. most guys in the career, when they sprain an ankle in the game, they keep playing because it's taped up. It doesn't usually swell up after until it loosens, you know, after it cools down and stuff. So, I mean, I, I don't know what to expect with all this stuff, but I do think the Jaguars are, are kind of, playing games a little bit with that. I mean, even even if if, if he's not 100%, why wouldn't you just have him hold out? Even if it's one game, I think it's a big win for them. Then they mm-hmm. just comes back and plays the rest of the season. I think the Browns, you know, would like him to only be out a week, you know? Right, right. But I just – Yeah. Yeah, I – I just said in, in the case of Trevor Lawrence, I, I don't think you want a hobbled guy out there facing Miles Garrett and Dalvin Tomlinson and, you know, that crew, you know, a hobbled quarterback trying to escape from Miles Garrett is a recipe for sacks and recipe for further injury. I would think, I would think. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. You know, a big part of his game, of course he throws well, a big part of his game is running. I mm-hmm. mean, you remember that? that game with the Buckeyes in college and, you know, and even in the NFL, he takes off running. He's got 248 yards. He's their second leading rusher. So that's kind of the element similar to like a Deshaun Watson or a DTR brings. And so, you know, you, you, you get third and eight, third and 10, he takes off running, gets a first down. If he's not a hundred percent, 
I cannot see him taking off and running. And, and yeah, taking that element out of it, I would think the Browns would be very aggressive and going all in to, to go get him. So it sets up well for the Browns. We've just either way. And even his backup Bethard got injured in that game too. He was limited today in practice with a shoulder injury, but it was on his left shoulder his non throwing. So he still would play, but you know, they lost Christian Kirk, who was their top receiver. They lost, you know, you would think Lawrence, at least for this game. And Walker Little, the, the left tackle, is the guy that fell on Lawrence because mm-hmm. he pulled his hamstring on the play and fell over into his ankle. So, you know, you would think the Browns have no excuses to come out trying to get, especially the defense. To me, they were kind of embarrassed the last two weeks just from what we'd seen before. They didn't, they couldn't get off the field, you know, when they needed to. And they didn't play as well as as they had, you know, in most of the games, you know, even in the games that they didn't get off to a great start, they finished strong. So mm-hmm. I expect all of that to play into in front of their home crowd and the loud stadium for them to come out and get back on track. But yeah, as far as, you know, with the quarterback goes on the Browns, it's got to be Joe Flacco. I mean, I, or even even what you could do is do a mixed bag, you know, have DTR, have, have some place. I've, I've said his strength is running the ball. Uh-huh. You know, why not have a package for him to do a few things and, and Flacco, depending on, you know, how the game sets up. Right, keep them on their heels a little bit and rotate uh, DTR in there a little bit. Makes sense to me. Um, Fumble 13, uh, relevant to your comments about the Browns' defense, uh, writes in and says, what would you do as D coordinator? Blitz the backup or limit the running game and make uh, Bethard beat them through the air? Um, So the Browns, and this leads to a gripe of mine, Fred, uh, about the uh, Rams game. Browns very rarely brought more than four uh, defensive linemen uh, at the quarterback. And Stafford is notoriously bad against the blitz. He just hung out back there. He got rid of the ball very quickly. Uh, But he just hung out back there and didn't seem harassed very much. Uh, Against the Jaguars with uh, a guy who hasn't started a game in three years, do you blitz him or do you try and take the running game away? Is fumbles a question. Yeah, I think you know, what, what beat him, what showed a vulnerability, you know, first thing is the last two games you had, you had two veteran quarterbacks, Russell Wilson. I think he really loosened the game up with his running. He ran 11 times, most of it in the first half and, and kept the defense at bay, setting them up for the second half, primarily with his legs and running. Whereas Matthew Stafford threw, but he got rid of the ball extremely quick. So both those guys got rid of the ball very quickly, and that negated the Browns' pass rush. So Mm -hmm. Lawrence can run, and he also is a prolific passer. So I would think it would be a huge advantage if Beathard's there for a lot of reasons. But like you said, three years not playing as a starter. He looked pretty good the other night against the Bengals. Um, I think it was nine of 10. Most of them were just check down, you know, easy, easy completions. But I would, I would kind of go the route of going after the quarterback 
and and making him make mistakes. You would think he'd be, you know, prone to make mistakes. They're much better passing than they are running. I mean, they're, I think overall, they're 20th in the league, 22nd in the league running, but Mm -hmm. they're ninth passing. So that most of that's because of Lawrence, but they have a good passing game. So I would try to take the passing game away and negate it with a pass rush. Brown should get a jolt in the arm. I expect Denzel Ward and Cam Mitchell both to be back. Mitchell was designated for return today. He did practice and mm-hmm. Denzel Ward uh, did practice as well. Uh, talked to him. He was walking out of the locker room and all he said, when he answered the question, will you practice today? And he said, yes. And they wanted to ask him a question or two. And he said, I'm going to talk tomorrow. So that means the PR has set him up. Usually mm. they don't have a guy set up to talk unless they're going to play. So right. I would think unless he has a setback in practice, you know, you're going to have Ward back there, which will be a big plus because I have more confidence in Ward covering Calvin Ridley or their other receiver as opposed to, you know, what I've seen out of Newsom or Emerson. Yeah, Cam Mitchell, if he's able to get onto the field, uh, as Eco was asking about, um, you know, that helps as well because the Browns have really been plumbing the depth uh, in their defensive secondary with all the injuries. Uh, on Denzel Ward, uh, we did an article, uh, I think, during the bye week asking about, you know, which player uh, do you think is, you know, the most important to stay healthy during the last half of the season? You know, other than Miles Garrett and Deshaun Watson, I think I think those were the parameters on it. I said Denzel Ward. Um, obviously, it appears he's coming back. Do you think Ward, other than Garrett, is the most important member of that defense to have on the field, Fred? Well, I mean, you look at the correlation. We talked about the last two games, you know, the defense struggling. I don't know if you can point to Garrett and Ward. Clearly, Garrett wasn't right even last week. I mean, he had the amount of statistics, tackles that both you and I did. I mean, and obviously we didn't play or anybody watching this. And so I know they game plan around him, but he did not do anything. And the rest of the, you know, pass rushers did not either. And so... You know, that was disheartening. And then Denzel Ward, you know, again, it seems like the Rams were able to pick on, they were able to find somebody, and it seemed like Nakua was the the golden boy the other day. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that was Newsom, Emerson, who was at fault most of those times. But as far as you just can't be giving up those type of chunk plays. And I just think that, Garrett and Ward's presence of not really being now again, Garrett was out there, but he wasn't a hundred percent. He didn't practice today. He was listed as rest, not injured. So I I think that would have to make a big, you know, impact, but they're going to have a lot of this depth that we heard about, especially on the defensive line, you know, needs to, 
I've been disappointed a little bit in Zadarius Smith. I was expecting bigger numbers out of him. I know the coaches rave about him, but, you know, still he doesn't have, you don't see him making splash plays. You see more out of Okoronkwo than Smith right now, but I don't know. It's a big factor. The thing, the thing that's frustrating a little with Denzel Ward is that he's a great cover corner, but he's just so fragile and you just feel like you almost need to say, okay, just cover the guy and don't try to make a tackle because it seems like he gets hurt all the time trying to make tackles. I remember Deion Sanders, you know, when he was playing, did it seem like he ever made any tackles? All he did was, well, it's a tackle, but he just grabbed their shirt and kind of wrestle him out of bounds or he didn't hit him with his shoulders and his and I just feel like Denzel's shoulders and head and all that is he's a smaller guy and you just got to figure a way sure you got to make tackles but maybe not put yourself in harm's way so much because you know they missed him you know he injured his shoulder obviously in that win I don't know which game it was but he didn't play the last two. So it was, what was it? The the Ravens win, but they've got to get, they've got to have him on the field for his coverage Mm. skills. And I would almost rather him, you know, cover the guy. If the guy catches the ball, just, you know, grab him by the shoes and just wait for help to come over as opposed to sticking your shoulder in, getting that, popped out or your head getting a concussion or whatever it may be yeah just prime it and just grab the jersey until someone a safety comes over and safety can tackle them they like doing that anyway that's what safeties do um let's go uh let's see we've got here a bunch of questions uh let me get to the the next one on the list this comes from superfly rob he says pierre strong has the highest yards per carry is like the third fastest guy on the team. Why are we not using him more? You can see a big difference when he runs. For more on that, by the way, read uh, Lane Atkins, what we've been told, talks a little bit about Pierre Strong. Uh, so if you're not a VIP subscriber, become one. Check out Lane's piece. If you are a VIP subscriber, just go and enjoy it. Fred, what's your take on this question? You know, he's he's shown a burst, and I I can see why they like him. He plays special teams, coverage and different things. But, you know, he he only had two carries the other day, and he had the longest uh, carry. I think it was 13, 15 yards. He looks quicker than Kareem Hunt, definitely, Mm -hmm. maybe right there with Ford. So I can see them thinking, you know, one-two punch, you know, right now they're they're rotating the three of them. I think that's mainly why they didn't keep Kenyon Drake. And they had a couple guys in there on practice squad that they were looking at to upgrade. But I do. I do think, I mean, he, he was involved in that game killer in Denver, you know, which I fought right. more of the play call. But if they can find spots for him, fresh set of legs come in and show that burst. He mm-hmm. did that against the Colts, too, if you remember. And I think, I don't know if it was the game-winning drive or what, but he had a couple decent runs when uh, after Kareem Hunt or Ford, I guess Ford got banged up in that game, and so Strong was in. 
So yeah. he has he has taken some advantage of his opportunity. So I think you'll probably see some more of him. Yeah, he does display burst, and you know when he's got the ball in his hands, he does look uh, pretty solid. Question I would have, obviously, was when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, which is more difficult to see on TV. How good is he at picking up the picking up blocks, right? How good is he at uh, uh, holding on to the football in general? You know, would be the questions I would have. But uh, definitely agree that uh, uh, he looks pretty fast. Um, let's go now to uh, Drew and Brick City. Drew and Brick City wants to know: Is there any word on Cooper's status? Similar question from Fumble Thirteen. Uh, so everybody wants to know about Amari. What's his What's his situation as far as the Browns are concerned, Fred? Yeah, um, normally it's a day of rest for him. There were several guys that weren't on the field for rest. On the injury report, it said concussion, ribs. Stefanski did say that Amari was in the concussion protocol. Here was a little bit of good news, I would think. He was in the locker room. I saw him in the locker room at his locker, and he was going to get a shower, and he came back, and he was he had on, you know, his sweat clothes and stuff. So sometimes when the guys are in the concussion, they're out of sight. You don't see – I didn't see, you know, a couple of the other guys that are in the protocol. So I don't know how to read that. He wasn't – like I said, Goodwin and DTR are in the protocol and they were practicing today. Right. But Cooper might have been similar case. I don't know because he usually doesn't practice on Wednesday anyway. So, you know, if maybe he'll be out of practice tomorrow, maybe he'll get out of it. I don't, the, the good thing with him is I don't think it will take long. You know, he could be a guy that could get cleared Thursday maybe not even practice Wednesday or Thursday and show up Friday, you know, and still go through the walkthroughs Friday and play. Um, if he doesn't get cleared, obviously, before the game, he can't play. But that would be a big blow. That's why I mm -hmm. do think it would be uh, a boost if Goodwin could get off the protocol and get back on the field because if there's one – quarterback the Browns had obviously it was Deshaun Watson it's Jeff right. Flacco can throw the deep ball and right. and he likes to do that and we haven't really seen that good one that's really his forte is just use his track speed run the go route and you got a quarterback that could stretch the field with that so if nothing else he hasn't played in four weeks but if he could just come out play his five six plays and one or two of them be the deep ball, I think, you know, it could be worth trying to stretch the field with him. But as far as Cooper, I really don't know. I mean, the rules to me, I don't know if they're anywhere available. You know, there was question about, I know going back a lot on the slack and amongst some of our guys about the practice squad, you know, mm -hmm. where teams can sign you and you can't, can you protect, can't you protect and that. That's vague. Nobody seems to know. But same thing with the concussion protocol. I don't know if anybody knows, but the neurologist, you know, it's like I said, right. as soon as you think you got it figured out, then they got guys out there practicing. And you're like, what do you mean they're practicing? They got a concussion. You know, I don't get this stuff. So, right. You know, 
We'll see. But I think just seeing him gave a little bit of a positive. Now, he usually speaks on Thursday. I don't know if he'll be available to speak tomorrow. Probably not unless he's cleared. Right, right. And he's got an issue with his ribs as well, right? Because he took that shot to the ribs against the Broncos. I thought he was listed as ribs slash concussion or, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's what they had on the – you know, and when you saw him come off the field, you kind of assumed it was ribs that he got hit again because he was doubled over. So they must have checked him, you know, that he that he got, you know, hit in the head as well. I, I didn't see that. I thought the – I thought the DB hit him in the in the ribs the other day, but right, or maybe right. it was the ball. I don't know, but yeah, I mean they. I brought that up a long time ago. Is that you have a clear cut number one in Cooper, but whatever happens if he goes down? I mean, last year he played the last half the season with a with an injury that needed surgery, and you know now he's been kind of banging along with the ribs, and now he's got a concussion and. You can kind of see. I mean, Moore has the potential, but he just doesn't look like a number one receiver. You trade away Donovan Peoples-Jones for I don't know why at this point, you know, you you would at least had some some guys. So they're relying on Cedric Tillman, David Bell, Mm -hmm. especially the way it's standing right now. You got Jalen Darden on the practice squad and Austin Watkins. I would think – Watkins would probably be brought up if Goodwin's not activated and if uh, Cooper isn't out of the protocol. So that puts a little more pressure on your running game. Well, Elijah Moore, now is your hour, you know, if Cooper's not going to be playing to show the world that you can be a legit number one receiver, you know, certainly you get the impression that he thinks that he can. Um, But, uh, uh, hasn't shown it on the field quite yet. Now is the hour. Let's uh, let's see it, young man. Um, let's go to uh, let's see here. Uh, let's go to Fumble Thirteen. Fumble Thirteen asks: Are there any running backs or wide receivers who can throw off of one of the end arounds we run? So th- just keep this in mind, Fumble. You know, if Stefanski goes and does that and it winds up with a fumble or an interception, we're going to remember this moment that you asked that question. Fred, any of these guys uh, have a quarterback background that uh, or anything like that? You think they could uh, run this particular trick play? Uh, no, not that <laughs> I know of. I mean, unless you got Flacco and DTR out there together or something. Right, um, right. I, I want to avoid these plays. I mean, I have not seen really anything work all year. All these gadget plays, they've been more negative plays than positive plays. Um, you know, I know that you feel like maybe you don't have all your arsenal available, but find what works well and, and stick with it. You know, it's mm-hmm. so many times, it's like the other day, that first drive was a thing of beauty. And, you know, he threw that touchdown pass to Jerome Ford wide open. How come you never ran that play again? You know, it's like they assume, okay, that will never work again. You know, it's like we asked Jerome Ford about that today, the first play and he, or that touchdown. He said, oh, yeah, the coach came up. He saw it on film 
uh, a weakness in the Rams secondary, and that's why we ran it. Okay, why not do it again? You know, right? You know, until they stop it. And so, I would just like to see him not being so cute. Just, just right. let's get the ball to the receivers downfield and not try to do all this gamesmanship. Yeah, let's go north south, not east west, right? Let's uh, let's keep it simple. And and you know, you were talking about the wide receivers a minute ago, and and all I'm thinking about is where are our tight ends, right? Where's Njoku? Where's Akins? A- we made a big deal of Akins signing during the off season, and he's been basically invisible. Harrison Bryant made some catches last week, but uh, uh, it seems like that Cooper being out is an opportunity for them as well. well I, but, I do uh, like the fact, you know, what Flacco Cooper was out and he still mm-hmm. spread the ball to eight other receivers. Yes, I mean, that's did. telling you something right there that he's seeing the field after a week better than the guys they had here. You know, mm-hmm. he didn't lock in on one guy. He looked and he looked and he threw it around and spread the ball around. I think it was a franchise record for their first game. You know, Browns, right. you know, the franchise has been around since 1946. You know, that's, that's pretty impressive. And I just think that he ought to be a little bit further along with the playbook this week. And so mm-hmm. you got a guy that has the arm. It's supposed to be windy and rainy. If you have to throw, you got a guy that, you know, that can throw the ball. This is what many people ask for you know, all these years, playing in Cleveland, in the AFC North, for November, December weather games, is a big strapping six five six six rocket arm. That was the that was the idea of the Josh Allen theory or the Carson Wentz back in the day. You know those guys that look suited to play in Cleveland in the bad weather, and you know, and we all know what the Browns did. They drafted a five ten five eleven quarterback, and you know, and the rest is history. And so, I just think that it would be it would behoove them, you know, and that's why I think Flacco would be the guy. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, obviously I'm, I'm looking for uh, his big arm, like you were talking about with Goodwin earlier as well. All we've seen of Goodwin is that he can get open downfield and uh, get further down the field than we can reach with a pass uh, so far this year. Tantalizing, but totally, you know, hasn't won us anything. Uh, let's go to Sancho Bermuda next. He wants to talk about the defense he asked, where are we at with the Schwartz defense? Is the best football ahead of us, or did the defense already peak this year? Really good question. You know, I had a, a similar one written down um, about the, the Rams game and whether it was a factor of uh, the Browns being beat up or the Rams offensive scheme just seeing something uh, in the Browns defense. What do you think? What's 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 behind the Browns uh going from world beaters to uh, more pedestrian these last couple of weeks, Brad? I think part of it is what I said, less than 100% out of Miles Garrett, Denzel Mm. Ward not playing. But, you know, the premise entering the season to me was if they were could be a top 10 defense, they should be able to make the playoffs. I wasn't expecting them to be the number one defense. Even after a few weeks, 
I figured it would come back down a little bit, and it has. The thing I'm most concerned about still is the lack of takeaways. You mm-hmm. know, I don't care that they're number one in the NFL and in yards given up. I would rather them be number one in the NFL in points given up. And mm-hmm. the way you do that is take the ball away. Last week, again, they had no takeaways. As a whole, the Browns are 29th again in the NFL in the turnover ratio. Means that they're still turning it over way more than they're taking it away. And I think if the defense would just take the ball away two, three times a game, that would do wonders, you know, for the team as a whole. It would be a stop as well as less points allowed. But I think that the they got to get back to some basics. I think that the last two weeks was a little bit of a wake-up call. I, mm-hmm. I kind of shake my head when I, they got young guys, particularly cornerback Emerson and Newsom, that are kind of yapping their mouth how they're the best in the world all the time. Right. And they're really not. And they got to quit believing that. They gotta, I'd rather them be quiet and go out and just shut a team down as mm-hmm. opposed to you know, giving up what they've done. So I think it's it's basics, stopping the run. They haven't really stopped the run very effectively the last couple weeks. And one was a running quarterback. Russell Wilson set the tone in that game by running 11 times and picking up a lot of first downs, and that loosened them up. And then last week, um, those end of rounds, Nakua, you know, Cooper Cup, you know, I think Nakua had about 139 yard all purpose between mm-hmm. receiving and running. And that right. didn't count a 45 yard reverse that got called back on kind of a, a fluky holding. He'd had yeah. about 200 yards and he missed a lot of time or some time during the game with an injury. So they just got to stop the run, whether it be the quarterback running or, you know, those jet sweeps and arounds. And sometimes you wonder if the opposing coaches are seeing that Jim Schwartz and those guys are so aggressive, they're taking advantage of that aggressiveness and they commit and they get by them and then they're in the secondary. So they got to, they got to kind of readjust their thinking because if you're not getting to the penetration and getting to the ball, then you're going to be vulnerable. Now, you know, you talked about, Russell Wilson, mobile quarterbacks, given the Browns a hard time. Uh, even Gardner Minshew was giving them a hard time earlier this year. Uh, and lack of effectiveness on jet sweeps, you know, into rounds and things like that. Jet sweeps only seem to work against the Browns in the NFL, it seems to me sometimes. Do you think that that might have something to do with the lack of investment in the linebacker position? You know, we don't, we did invest a second round draft pick in JOK. But by and large, the Browns don't seem to value the linebacker position nearly as much as they do the front four or the uh, defensive backfield. You think there's a relationship there? Could be, but I think it's if you're going to value the front, they gotta they gotta get the penetration, eat up the blockers, and make it where the linebackers. You know, I think if they can just go downhill and make the tackle because it's you know, they've eaten up the blockers. They, they're they capable of that. Where, where you're not capable is when you see Taki Taki trying to cover, you know, a, a split end or, or a back coming out of the backfield or 
get those mismatches. So that's where they get vulnerable. Um, but they they chose and went after the areas that they wanted to invest their time and their money at. And, mm-hmm. and you, you can only do so many things. You know, some teams go all in at linebacker. Some teams go all in more on the defensive line. But I felt that they would probably only be using two linebackers most of the time because they like to play three safeties and three corners or combination of that. So I think it's more that the others aren't doing their jobs. I've been happy with JOK. And I think, you know, at a linebacker, you know, he's, he's done what, what they want as far as get out in coverage and provide, you know, tackles for losses and get into the ball and so forth. But yeah, the other ones, you know, they don't have the foot speed. It doesn't seem to, and they get caught in mismatches. Well, I, well, I'll go back to the comment that I was making. I was making earlier. Why do you think Schwartz didn't blitz Stafford? You know, do you think he was just trying to prevent the big play? I mean, they gave up the big plays anyway. But uh, you think he was just trying to keep more more people back against the pass, or or what? Because uh, Stafford, I've just seen the stats that say he's not very effective when he's blitzed. Yeah. Well, I saw that too, and y'all, you wonder that. But also, I think I saw that he got rid of the ball like faster than anybody else in the league the other day. He got, he got rid of it very he was just fast. like boom. He just knew right where he was going. He's been in the league so long that I don't care who you got coming. If you get rid of the ball, you know, in two seconds or whatever, you can't. You know, there's nothing you can do about it. So, right, right. Can't get there fast enough. You anyway. almost. You almost feel like, well, maybe you should have dropped some more back into coverage if you can't get to the quarterback. And that was right. what seemed to be the problem. I mean, I looked at the stats and you have to, he's not mobile, so he had to be able to do it. You look at the stats, I think they only had two pressures, like two quarterback hits is what I call a pressure. And one was, I think, on a blitz by Delpit or something. It was mm-hmm. like, he was untouched. I mean, it wasn't like he was getting rid of the ball and getting drilled. They weren't even coming close to him. And so that was just a rhythm, whether they weren't up close enough in press coverage to prevent, you know, them from doing it, but he got the ball right away to Cooper cup or to Nakua or somebody before they even could get near him. And, that's going to be what teams are going to do to the Browns saying, mm-hmm. you know, they look at Miles Garrett, Zadarius Smith, the interior guys, Okoronkwa, going, man, we got to get rid of the ball super fast. And, you know, that's what teams that have been successful against the defense lately, that's what they've been doing. Don't you have to play the cornerbacks a little bit tighter on the I wide receivers? So, but case? again, Maybe you don't think that there's much lockdown up in press coverage that maybe Denzel Ward is, you know, it's yeah. like, I would much rather see him right up on them and not giving them that couple yards. Cause that allows them to throw that quick slant to him. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll see how Schwartz adjusts this next week. If he adjusts and uh, see what the Jaguars minus a couple of very talented players can do to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Along those lines, Jane Porsche has a question. 
uh, and you've taken a look at this, Fred. Uh, you take a look at it uh, almost on a weekly basis, gauging how well the Browns are uh, positioned to make the playoffs. What do you think their odds are right now? Well, James, if if they – I'll put it this way. If they don't win three more games, they don't deserve to make the playoffs. But I think – I really think that they're there for the taking. I felt, you know, the Jaguars coming in, the other night I thought it would have been better for them to beat the Bengals just so they were, you know, nine and three coming into the Browns before there was any injuries, just because the sense of urgency wouldn't be as great. But now they lost the Bengals, and now they're only a game ahead of in their division with the Colts. So they have more of a sense of urgency than maybe they would have, because it just that's kind of how watching the NFL for as long as I've had, it just seems like the teams that are more urgent Take the 49er game. The, they were 5-0. and oh. The Browns were more urgent and won that game. Right. So I digress a little bit, but as far as, yes, I think they can win this game. I thought they could win this game before uh, even the injuries. Now I think it's right there. It's up to them. It's up to the defense, whether it's Lawrence who's hobbled or e- even if they say he's 100%. I, I don't believe it. Bethard, whoever's the quarterback, they're down Christian Kirk. They they have a lot of weapons, but they you can stop them on defense if you play defense like you did earlier in the season. I think the combination of the Browns defense playing bad back to back on the road will come back in front of the home crowd. And I expect Jim Schwartz to be on them all week this week. And I expect them to come back here and to take it to the level where they're back on track. I think getting Denzel Ward back will be big, getting Mitchell back, and hopefully Miles Garrett and some of the other guys are rested up and able to play a little better. So, yes, there's three winnable games, not counting the Jaguars, that they absolutely need to win. The Bears, the Jets, and the Bengals. The I don't care what the Jets say. They lose this week or next week. They're they're eliminated from the playoffs. I don't know why in the world Aaron Rodgers would want to play with a team playing out for the season. I know he said, well, if he gets hurt, he has time to heal up. I don't believe that. And I would think the front office would hold him back, you know, as well. So that game at home should be a Browns win. The Bears at home should be a Browns win. And I know the Bengals looked pretty good the other night, but I expect them to be eliminated by the time the Browns play them. And they should be able to go down there and beat a backup quarterback. So with that said, if you just won the home games, the Jaguars, the Bears, and the Jets, you should make the playoffs. But I I think outside of even the Jaguars, they should be able to win, you know, those other three games, two at home and the Bengals. I mean, with that said, I didn't mention the Texans game. I think that could be a tough game on the road in Houston. Um, But they have to win. Those AFC games are much bigger, and that's where Mm -hmm. I would much rather win this week. And that puts them right in the, you know, that puts them with eight wins with four to go. 
And so that's why I think they just need to go all in, zero in. I know they go one and oh every week is their mantra, but really that's where all pull out all stops to come out with a win. You're at home. I know they play well on the road, big deal. Um, I, that that's a completely different animal. If they're backup quarterbacks playing, you know, he hasn't been out there. That crowd is extremely loud. They can't even call the signals. And I think that that allows you to, to, you know, force some mistakes. So I think the Browns have a position, you know, to take it full advantage this week and do everything you can pull out everything to beat the Jaguars, because then it's not going to be a cakewalk to beat the bears, but you should be able to beat the bears and you should be able to beat the jets. And, and you could wrap things up by taking care of these next two games at home, I think would put you in position to make the playoffs. Yeah. I think they really, really need a win uh, this week. I agree with Joe Mannix that, uh, you can't have a three-game losing streak with this team. And uh, I don't know. I just sense it among the fan base. Uh, I think the fan base really needs a win here. Uh, last couple of weeks in, uh, on the West Coast losing those games, I just – a little bit of enthusiasm has been lost. But uh, – Well, you we'll mentioned seven and three. How many times, you know, people out here watching or Browns fans in general, has the Browns been seven and three? I mean – right. This would be a monumental collapse, even with the injuries and stuff. If you, if you waste away this season, I realize it's hard to get your hopes up that you're going to win the Super Bowl without Deshaun Watson, without Nick Chubb, without Jack Conklin, without Jedrick mm. Wills, and all the things that they have had to battle this year. But you were seven and three, and you're still in position at seven and five to make the playoffs. I think it would do wonders for the team and the organization to go ahead, make the playoffs anyway, and then go into the off season, you know, with guys that played that you weren't really counting on and then having reinforcements, so to say, coming back and be able to assess the off season. So I just think they need to, you know, yeah, I think it's expectations and perspective because everybody was expecting great things this year. Mm -hmm. And then when Nick Chubb goes down in his fifth quarter playing, you know, let the air out. And then they started winning anyway with the problems, got to seven and three, and then you lose, you know, back-to-back games. You're still there. And that's why, that's why I said it's time to regroup, reset button, coming home. You're five and one at home. Go out there and don't look ahead to the Bears or anybody else. Put it all in and come out of there with a win Sunday against the Jaguars. That's why I keep going back to I think Joe Flacco gives you the best chance to beat the Jaguars because he's not going to be flustered. What, what you cannot do is have the offense beat you. You know, mm-hmm. the offense hasn't really beat him. It was more the defense let up and couldn't get off when they needed to a couple times in the last couple weeks. Yeah. He made a big turnover in a critical time, but I think, I think that I would assume that, that he's going to make better decisions. 
You know, you think of that game. They had four scoring drives. They were all 15-play drive, a 13-play drive, nine-play drive. They were nickel and dime all the way down the field. And why in the mm-hmm. world they had to go for broke on the first play of that drive, I don't know. But that kind of happens. He showed yeah, spreading it around, moving it down the field, taking what they give you was the best way. And I think that's what they'll go back to. I was going into that series pretty series pretty confident that the Browns were going to uh, pull that game out. They, they were down by less than a touchdown at that point. And the Rams' defense was gassed. I mean, they had just run two long seven-minute drives on the Rams' defense, kept him on the field for a long time, and that turnover changed everything, everything. I thought all the momentum was on the Browns' side until that play. And uh, Browns aside, you know, you didn't see John Johnson do anything in his time with the Browns, and he comes up with the play of the game, you know, and interception return, 42 yards, set up the touchdown. So, yeah, it is kind of frustrating. And the guy that you went out to get and paid a lot of money to replace him didn't look that great to me. You know, Juan Thornhill, he looked to really struggle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Thornhill has made some plays this year that uh, weren't exactly uh, recommended by the coaching staff. Um at any rate, we've got a couple questions left. Uh, if you have any last-minute questions, feel free to hit us up with them. This one's from Sancho. He says, uh, which coaching staff has the advantage, Stefanski or Doug Peterson? He says, it's a big game for Kevin Stefanski. Peterson, obviously, he's got a uh, Super Bowl under his belt, so he has little to prove. But uh, Kevin Stefanski here uh, was getting some some hype for Coach of the Year. I think that's diminished over the last couple of weeks. Uh, but uh, you think Stefanski's up to the challenge here with the Jaguars? Well, I think he is. Um, I think he's done a good job overall with what has transpired injury-wise and so forth. But I give the edge to Doug Peterson just because, you know, I, I look at – I've liked him. You know, he was a backup quarterback with the Browns, and he's similar – demeanor to Stefanski. He's pretty even keeled. He doesn't get too up or too down, but you know, I thought Urban Meyer was a pretty good coach and Mm -hmm. granted he wasn't, he didn't get, he wasn't there very long, but Peterson came right in and calmed the waters and that team turned around pretty quickly. Um, And, and so I think I think he he's done a good job, you know. He's done a better job overall than Stefanski because, you know, they went to playoffs last year and and then they're they're right there again this year with the division and and so I I think I think they're both okay, but I just think you know it comes down to making critical decisions at the right time. Um, more than anything, he just needs to make the right decision on the coach, on the quarterback. Right, right. Red Leader thinks D'Amico Ryan's down in Houston would be coach of the year. I don't know. Sean McVay, I think, has done a wonderful job uh, with uh, um, with the Rams bringing them back. And Sean Payton has done a job with the Broncos bringing them back. There's a. I think and, the Colts uh, guy's done a good job. I, I thought, you know they lost their quarterback and they lost mm. their running back. And, and I think they're only, they're tied with the Browns now. 
And right. we all know how that game could have went with the Colts. The Browns are very, very fortunate to get – and right now the Browns have a tiebreaker on them because of right. that. But, you know, I would I would have thought the Colts would have been out of it a long time ago. Right, right. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting much out of them this year. Uh, Eco OBR dropped in the comment that he's interested in seeing more of Cedric Tillman. Um, what do you think, Fred? I mean, Tillman was pretty pretty hyped when he came out uh, in the draft. Uh, there were people saying that uh, they thought the Browns might have gotten one of the steals of the draft in, in Cedric Tillman. Uh, but uh, saw some stats scrolling by earlier today that uh, – He's in the top 10 in terms of fewest targets uh, for routes run. So he's not uh, apparently, you know, that can mean a bunch of different things. It can mean that the quarterbacks just aren't seeing him. could mean that he's not getting open. You know, it could mean a bunch of different things. But uh, uh, would he call Tillman a disappointment yet? Or do you think that his best games are still ahead in 2023? No, I've heard good things about him. That's one of the reasons why they traded Donovan Peoples-Jones. They mm-hmm. envisioned him, you know, taking over and being that big target. He's had, he's been coming on. I thought, you know, I think it was the week before he had five or six catches, and he's made some contested catches. So I think, I think I'm okay with him. Um, I don't know what David Bell's upside is long term, but I think. Tillman, you know, of the third round picks is the best of the three, Anthony Schwartz, Cedric Tillman, and David Bell that they've taken one the last three years. Big, big receiver. I liked him in training camp. I just, I just think that, you know, more experience is what he needs. But if Cooper doesn't play, that's your number two receiver this week. Um mm-hmm. Because Moore is going to be number one and Tillman, everybody moves up. You're going to have Tillman two and probably Bell three, unless Marquise Goodwin is cleared and able to play a little more. But um, even when he was healthy, he wasn't really out on the field more than 10, 15 plays. So, oh, you're going to see more of Tillman. Um, and I think as if Flacco's in there, he's going to have a little more of a rapport with him he seems to have a little more rapport with Elijah Moore because they played together but when DTR was in there he was looking for Tillman that's when Tillman had his best game was the Broncos game so right right yeah I'm not disappointed with him at all I just think that they just need to have a little more depth all the way around you know we've been talking about it at the receiver core okay uh fair enough um Next question comes from Rocky Balboa. You know, Rocky wants to know if the Browns brass truly brass truly sees DTR as a first round talent. Uh, he has heard that uh, uh, somewhere that uh, they see him at that level. Uh, and uh, uh, have you heard any muttering like that out in Berea? No, you know and. All I'll say about that is if they thought he was a first-round talent, they would have taken him. Maybe not in the first – they didn't have a first-round pick. They would have taken him in the second round Mm -hmm. or (laughs) for sure in the third round, you know, instead of Tillman. You know, I don't – I think they – you know, they got him in the fifth round because he was there. 
whenever mm-hmm. their first pick was, you don't pet, you know, you always hear them say, we just go by the, the grade. If they had him graded that high, even though they had Deshaun Watson, I don't think they would have passed him. Right. Right. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. A little bit of uh, like post- him a lot. Yeah, obviously. You know, but I don't think they saw him as a fifth round pick. And now they're saying, you know, after seeing him in person, he's definitely a first round. Brock Purdy, you know, where he was the last guy taken. Is he a first round talent now? Well, probably if you redrafted, but, mm. you know, at the time, they, there's a lot of our guys in our draft day. I remember very upset they took him because they wanted, a, you know, a safety or some other player. And, you know, the Browns saw him as the backup quarterback from the get-go. But I don't know if any of them realized or really felt like he was ready to be the backup from day one. Right, right. A lot was put into the continuing health of Deshaun Watson. We all know how that went. And uh, so has 2023 gone. Uh, Brown's still 7-5 and five with a shot at the playoffs. Hopefully we'll see that uh, mature a little bit uh, this Sunday. Uh, I got called out by our producer who thanked OG Philly for the five gifted, one of which got automatically assigned to me because I was not subscribed to the truth of the matter there is I had multiple IDs and I didn't feel like paying for, you know, three subscriptions every month. So I, I unsubscribed one, but thank you for the, uh, for the gifted subscription. Any Philly, anyway, Philly, I was just watching my, uh, just, just watching my pennies is all. Uh, and that is it, Fred. We are going to be back here. Uh, <laughs> Fred, we are going to be back here next Wednesday after the Jaguars game. Uh, and hopefully we have a win to talk about. Thank you, as always, sir, for your uh, insight. Uh, and uh, got a prediction for this game? Oh, I've been so <laughs> right lately. I don't know what. Um, I, I think the Browns will win. I think that they will do what I suggested in the 49ers week. You know, they'll put mm-hmm. off focus, you know, and they have – at home, I think the defense, you know, has things to prove. I just I just think there's too much talent on that side of the ball not to play well. I cannot even if even if Lawrence is able to play, I cannot believe he can be the running threat that he has in him. And I just think the matchup favors the Browns right now. So I think it's supposed to be a bad weather game. I could say 17-13. All right. Joe Maddox says 20 to 10. That sounds good to me. So we'll come back and see who's right next Wednesday at 7 p.m. For Fred Greetham, I'm Barry McBride. We'll see you next Wednesday, folks. Good night. Thanks, everybody.